welcome to the React Native Show podcast. I'm Wukash, your host, and in this episode, we'll dive deep into the migration to React Native. We'll talk about migration from native to React Native, expanding React web apps with cross-platform availabilities, uh, and the two main approaches to use in migrating to React Native, greenfield and brownfield. And what to remember and what to avoid during the migration process and much, much more. So stay with us. Let's get started and introduce my guest. Joining me today is Mike Hudjak, head of delivery department at Callstack and great expert in brownfield development. Hello, Mike. Hey, Ukash. Thank you for the introduction. It's great to see you. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Mike, as we know, as me and you know, you are my boss. So I'll let you start easy and I will ask you an easy question. So your official title is head of delivery. And I must admit, when I joined Callstack several months ago, almost a year, I didn't know what that really means. So maybe you can explain to our listeners what are your daily responsibilities at Callstack? Sure, uh, but before I do it, uh, I'd like to say that it is my second time on the React Native Show, show podcast, uh, but it's first time I will be talking with you, uh, and I'm super excited about it uh, because um, we've been working together for a while, but we rarely have a chance to dive deep into uh, topics uh, as technical as migration to React Native. Um, so yeah, thank you for the invitation again. Uh, and uh, getting back to your question. Uh, at Callstack, uh, I'm managing team of developers, project managers, and quality assurance engineers. Uh, and up, on top of that, I'm responsible for ensuring the highest quality of our service delivery, uh, hence the title, uh, which means uh, setting quality standards, best practices uh, for both uh, development and uh, managing uh, our projects. Uh, and even if it uh, sounds a bit Managerish, uh, I still have many opportunities to uh, touch the technical stuff. For example, I provide technical consultancy for our uh, key accounts, and I do some open source. Oh yeah, definitely. And I know, I know that you had a lot of opportunities to talk about this subject that we are in right now. So uh, migration to React Native, brownfield development in React Native. Can you quickly summarize for me what are your credentials in this area? Why we should listen to you? Because I love React Native and I'm good at it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but jokes aside, um, I'm the person who really believes in React Native. For me, uh, it's an amazing framework that brings a lot of business value and is very ple pleasant to work with. Uh, so um, on the other hand, uh, it is just a framework to enhance mobile development. And I was always very keen to understand what lies under the hood. Uh, that's why I've been exploring native technologies from Objective-C to Kotlin uh, in order to understand how they solve certain problems. So I participated in many web, web and mobile projects, both React Native and Native, and I think I have a good grasp of both strong and weak points of uh, these technologies. And uh, yeah, based on that experience, uh, I created a library uh, called React Native Brownfield, 
which is a set of tools for uh, facilitation of uh, the integration of React Native into native apps. Uh, and um, yeah, it's very uh, useful in uh, such migrations. So, so let's I think put a, that's, that's let's, all in terms of my credentials. Yeah, let's put a pin in the uh, React Native Brownfield library. We'll talk about it in the, uh, in the following part. But maybe we can start in more structured way. And mm -hmm, sure. we can discuss uh, from your experience what are the main reasons our client come to Callstack to migrate their apps? Mm -hmm. Sure. So there are multiple reasons why. Uh, I think we can split them into uh, two main categories. Uh, first is addressing existing pains. Uh, and second is creating gains for the future. So, so future-proofing. Yes. Uh, or basically creating um, benef business benefits for yeah. the future. Uh, yes, yeah, so in terms of first category, uh, the stimulus uh, for such a decision is often uh, a thing that's bad for your business. For example, the application has poor performance and you lose users or receive low uh, app store ratings. Uh, and in such cases, we can either try to optimize the app or migrate it to the new one. Uh, and while I'm a big fan of optimization, sometimes it makes no sense to deal with existing code base and it's better to create a new one. Uh, another example of the pain point uh, might be an increasing technical debt that slow down, slows down the development process uh, for, for new features and makes maintenance of the existing code base uh, a, a nightmare for developers. Uh, yeah, but dealing with uh, the pains is not the only scenario uh, to, to, to make such decision. And regarding the other uh, scenario, which is... Uh, so maybe, maybe I can add one point to mm -hmm. the pains that you mentioned. And uh, I feel like in some projects, in some companies, uh, there is this drive to deliver features and to kill bugs, but the technical depth and like the quality of the code base is often overlooked. So it like it it is it does make sense to at the same time migrate to some newer, better technology and at the same time uh increasing the quality of your code base. I think that is very important that we don't lose this uh quality mindset during the process. Yeah, definitely. And addressing pains doesn't exclude uh, having yeah. gains. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, speaking about uh, the gains, um, even if your app is working well, uh, you might think of ways to, to improve it from technical and business perspective. And trust me, React Native is really good at it. Uh, so <laughs> it speeds up, uh, speeds up the development process. Uh, without um, like introducing uh, any additional uh, charges, as developers may might use uh, same code base on iOS, on Android, and maybe other platforms as well. Uh, so this minimizes development costs, uh, and uh, you can build a app in a fraction of uh, of time without affecting the quality. And that's a, a key thing here. Uh, and uh, I can tell you that if you do it right, uh, every board will be happy with the final quote. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, that, like uh, yeah. you're cutting sure. down from two different teams to one team with JavaScript developers with some native uh, background instead of having two different teams uh, specified in native development for iOS and Android. So of course that that will cut costs. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And the velocity itself, or velocity of programming itself might be uh, faster even if you compare platform to uh, specific platform to React Native. For example, uh, writing uh, a feature in native AOS might take more time than native uh, than writing same feature in React Native. For uh, both it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so uh, it, it's not a golden rule, let's say, but uh, in many cases, it is like that. Um, yeah, and another thing that I wanted to mention regarding uh, positives uh, of adopting React Native is a possibility of adding uh, new platforms gradually. Uh, so I think one of the biggest selling points of React Native is having an abstraction that is reusable between web, mobile, desktop, and other platforms. Uh, so uh, yeah, it opens uh, another door because if you have a application, uh, let's say a, a purely web application written in React, you can convert it uh, to uh, React Native, uh, and um, yeah, and uh, it, it 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 doesn't take that much time. So we can do it in fairly short amount of time, and this way you can uh, expand uh, the the expand to the market and operate. Uh, on uh, different markets like, uh, I said, mobile, desktop, etc., which opens up more opportunities for the future. And when you mentioned desktop, like uh, a few years ago, uh, Electron came out, right? And you mm -hmm. could uh, write React applications for desktop, but right now we have React Native Windows and React Native Mac OS, which allows yes. you to more or less use the same code base, but your application is native as on Android and as on iOS. So that brings you huge performance benefits and, mm -hmm. and other benefits as well. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, so I think Electron is a good technology as well, uh, but you can compare it to the PhoneGap versus React Native. Yeah. So you can achieve uh, good results in both, uh, but uh, I always prefer to do things natively. Uh, so React Native uh, for desktop, React Native for macOS, for Windows uh, can help you achieve that. And yeah, reusability that I mentioned is uh, also a big selling point. Yeah. So uh, are there any other reasons why you would want to migrate your existing web application, mobile application, desktop application, maybe even to React Native? Mm -hmm. uh, Yes, so I believe there are many, but one that comes to my mind is uh, good developer experience as well. I like yeah. uh, coding in React Native. For example, when I've been coding uh, in uh, native iOS, I had to rebuild uh, the application each time I wanted to see some changes. I know that uh, now it has changed uh, since uh, they introduced Swift UI and the developer experience is way better. Uh, but for me, uh, seeing the uh, changes uh, live, like with Hot Reload, uh, it's a nice thing to, uh, to, to, to have at work. Yeah, definitely. And you can streamline the process for all of your team, not for just one, for one platform. Mm -hmm. You streamline the process for this one team that will create your uh, monorepo, for example, right? This uh, uni <laughs> application for all the platforms. And I think it is a good uh, moment to point out that with good developer experience comes better velocity because your developers yes, yes. are happy. They're producing code more 
the processing costs faster, and also you can deploy your applications at the same time with the streamlined um, release process using some like uh, over the internet tools and not mm -hmm. using the native uh, upload to App Store uh, yes. solutions. Definitely, that's also a benefit. And another thing that comes to my mind is open source community. Um, it's amazing in React Native. I totally love uh, this community, love these people. Uh, I love how everyone contributes to the greater good. Uh, and uh, it's simply pleasant to work in uh, such environment. Yeah, this might be a good time to plug some like call stack recruitment processes here. <laughs> if you want to join call stack, you will be able to uh, work in open source and work within our repositories. And you, you can also uh, help us out with our repositories, not joining call stack, but just contributing to our repositories. Uh, okay, I think we have the, um, the benefits of migration wrapped up. So where maybe we can move on to the other part. And the other part, Mm, I wanted you to ask is uh, where do you even start with migration process and what should people be prepared for when preparing for migration? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, so generally, uh, I suggest following a top-down approach uh, where we start from what I call defining um, the big blocks. Uh, such big blocks are, in fact, elements of the migration process uh, or migration phases. Uh, so from my experience, when I'm working with such migrations, I defined four major components uh, that every migration should contain. And those are, first of all, business evaluation, second of all, uh, development planning and preparation, then implementation, and then validation and rollout. Um, so basically, this is how the process uh, looks like from a high-level perspective. And um, what you need to do next is you need to break it down into some smaller pieces. Uh, so also, I strongly recommend to approach it in agile way. Uh, so it means that some of these steps might be re repeated multiple times uh, on a smaller scale. Uh, but yeah, answering uh, your question precisely, before doing anything else, uh, you need to know where you're at the moment. Uh, so evaluate your starting point. And um, the route to the beach uh, is different uh, when you are in the fi exclusive five-star hotel uh, with a beach view. Uh, and uh, it's different when you are in the middle of the swamp. Uh, I so, really like this comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in, in both cases, you can achieve the same results uh, and uh, feel the ocean waves on your skin. Uh, but uh, th there is a difference in the process in between. Uh, so uh, I have several supporting questions that can help you evaluate uh, the starting point. Uh, and uh, those are, first of all, uh, define what uh, competencies uh, do you need in order to perform the migration, and then compare it to the competencies you have in the team because the gap will define uh, the requirements for, for, for the team. Uh, then think of platforms. Uh, so which platforms do you operate on at the moment? Which platforms do you want to expand to? Uh, and then uh, consider uh, questions specific to the, uh, let's say, project itself. So, so like uh, you, uh, yeah. let, let, let me interrupt you here. Like you said mm -hmm. before, if you have a, 
uh, web application written in React, then it's no brainer to re migrate to React Native. But more generally, if you have your application written in something else and mm -hmm. it's all uh, up in the air, then your um, your um, selection of technologies you might be willing to work in is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or maybe not the selection per se, but uh, how to prepare for such migration in terms of uh, skills of the team, for example. If you have yeah. React developers, you can train them to operate in React Native, and uh, that's fairly easy process. In comparison to if you have uh, the native team, and uh, then you need to uh, teach them a new paradigm, which is also doable, but then you might think of uh, strengthening your team with some external resources to, uh, to help you. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, getting back to my initial thought, um, then some questions or things to uh, tackle around the project. So uh, see if you have uh, feature maps and good project documentation, because it helps a lot. Uh, do you have uh, a complete design guidelines? Uh, do you have user stories uh, that describe the behavior of the app? Uh, is your code itself well documented? And uh, last but not least, do you have tests that are agnostic from the implementation. Yeah, and I feel like the, the whole selection you just mentioned, the documentation for, for user stories, for your designs, for your design language, for tests, for code itself, some of those are nice to have, let's say, but some mm -hmm. of those are a must. If, you, if your project doesn't have some of those, you're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So having green lights in all of these areas uh, will help you succeed uh, in the migration, will help you avoid the regression, will fasten the overall process. Uh, however, I have to tell you that I rarely, seen, uh, all, po I rarely see uh, all positives uh, in, in, in all of the areas that, that uh, I mentioned, uh, but organiz organizations still manage to succeed. Uh, so you just have to accept that the process will be longer and more fragile. Uh, yeah, and, and I, yeah. I guess the, the process of migration itself can also help with documenting, right? Because you are creating mm -hmm. some of this from scratch, some of this you are re-engineering, you have to rethink this. So this is a good point to use this opportunity to document at the same time so you mm -hmm. don't... Uh, yeah, so you don't end up in the same place like two years from now. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of stuff uh, can be reused later, as you've mentioned, and will help you increase the overall quality of the, uh, not only code base, but the project itself. Um, yeah. So yeah, at this point, it's also good to define some KPIs or CTQs uh, that you want to maintain or improve in the final project. Uh, can you... So can you uh, explain what KPI in CTQ is. Yes, for, sure. Uh, not for me, of course, I know that uh, you are my boss. I, I'm not saying that I don't know that, but maybe some <laughs> of our listeners. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. KPIs are key performance indicators. Uh, so basically some metrics that will help you uh, track if you are on track. <laughs> yeah. uh, and CTQs are uh, critical to quality. Uh, and uh, those are factors that uh, are most important for your end users. So usually oh, yeah, you start with uh, interviewing your customers, uh, defining uh, what's important for them, listening to their voice, and then translating them to these factors. And uh, it helps you uh, have a 
good uh, overview or where, on where you are at. Uh, shall we move on to brownfield part? So before we do that, sure. I want to share some uh, insider knowledge that I got from Wikipedia in the morning today. Um, so we are in the software development environment. We are talking about this greenfield, brownfield approach. And I like until today, I, I, I took it for granted because I didn't know really what that, what that meant. Like I, I knew what that meant, but I didn't know uh, where the ter terms come from. So uh, I read up about it and I know now and I can share this with you and all our listeners. So the terms are coming from the property development market in like Great Britain or something. Mm -hmm. So if you go and you buy a new land and this is a green field, <laughs> then <laughs> it is easy to build upon it. And if you go and you buy land in the inner city, maybe this is some uh, post-industrial or, or something like that with some buildings on it, then it's brownfield. And uh, that entails that you have to clear it up before you start developing the land. So this is the origin of greenfield and brownfield development. And uh, I guess uh, this is like this is a good metaphor, like it fits very well with with uh, like application development as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I also uh, was surprised back in the days when I uh, Googled it, uh, that it has its roots on civil engineering. Uh, but yeah, like uh, long story short, Greenfield uh, is about writing from the scratch uh, and Brownfield is about uh, writing on top of something that already exists. Yeah. So let's, let's now focus specifically on Brownfield in React Native. And uh, we covered your credentials before, and I know that you've done tens of different Brownfield migrations. And is there a template that you use? Uh, what is your process if in going in, getting your heads dirty and starting to do a migration to Brownfield? Okay, so um, specifically speaking in case if you are uh, migrating from native applications to React Native, native mobile applications. Yeah, uh, so uh, if you have an existing uh, native mobile app or actually apps, because uh, usually companies target uh, at least iOS and Android, uh, you can start to benefit from React Native without rewriting whole application. So we can start either by adding some new features uh, in React Native on top of existing application, or start replacing it, uh, start, start replacing some existing technology with with React Native. And it's a fairly uh, simple process, uh, but it has powerful implications as you can quickly cut down the cost of feature development. Uh, you can write uh, the feature once and use it on every uh, supported platform. And uh, of course, um, from time to time, you need to do some platform-specific adjustments, but that's not often a, a case. Uh, and speaking from short-term perspective, uh, you can start shipping your code way faster than you would normally do it. And from the long-term perspective, uh, as React Native um, code plays a bigger and bigger role in your code base, uh, your maintenance costs will be reduced. And uh, mostly it's caused by two, 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 two facts. 
First is that you will have a fresh uh, code base with no technical depth. And second, uh, that you will uh, need only one team to maintain uh, the, coast, uh, the, the code base and uh, develop new features. Um, so uh, ultimately, uh, it's not uh, only about the reduced development costs, but um, also if you don't need to uh, get rid of existing app. Uh, I mean, you don't need to uh, uh, do it, or uh, you don't need to stop the development uh, and to, to start the migration uh, process. So you can, in other words, you can continue generating revenue and keep developing new features in the process. Yeah, and like the benefit from like deployment perspective is that this is the same application that lives in the App Store in the uh, in the Google Store. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do anything different than you are doing right now. You can still use the same system and, and build upon it. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, I, I wanted to uh, share with you a few uh, words, tips about how we as a call stack um, uh, do it. Uh, but uh, before I do that, uh, I, I want to tell you that uh, at the beginning, uh, the process itself has uh, a bit of entry barrier uh, to, uh, to, 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 to overcome. Uh, and what I mean by, by that is that you need to have a good grasp uh, of the JavaScript side of React Native, as well as it, its underlying native internals. Uh, and in order to be fully effective, um, you should have at least an average understanding of uh, native development as you will work with the native code, uh, to some degree at least. And what I'm trying to say is that it's good to know the environment. For example, um, imagine if you would like to renovate a, a house. Uh, so it's good to know which walls can be destroyed safely, uh, where electric installation is, and how hydraulics looks like. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And like, I think that uh, average understanding of native technologies might not be enough. Maybe average understanding of the Android iOS systems, sure. But then you have the whole inter native internals of React Native that you want to use. And that is not well documented, right? This is something that lives there. You can look at it. Uh, you can browse the repository. But mm -hmm. It's not like the lines itself uh, tell you what is what that's supposed to do, and if you can remove this part and your uh, roof won't fall down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, positive thing is thing is that uh, once you establish a good uh, Brownfield integration, you don't have to deal with the uh, native code that much. Uh, what I tried to say is that you need to understand the code in order to reverse engineer the requirements, uh, or in case the requirements are not well documented, of course. Uh, but uh, in general, uh, it's good to have just an average grasp later. But for the beginning, uh, the process of, let's say, establishing good uh, Brownfield setup uh, might require uh, a bit more advanced knowledge and might require a bit more, uh, let's say, diving into React Native code base uh, itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And uh, also, uh, I wanted to mention the other thing to consider uh, while doing such migration, which uh, is uh, the, the people perspective. Uh, so maybe there is a team uh, that is working on the legacy code base. Um, in, in most cases, there is. Uh, and such migration is a long process. And during that process, uh, you can focus on preparing the team to work on the new code base. Um, or, or, or maybe you would like to reallocate them to some other project at some point. Uh, but in, in, in both cases, uh, they will have to operate in the existing app uh, and tech stack uh, for some time. So what I'm trying to say is that you don't want to introduce tooling that will decre decrease their productivity. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm mentioning that because we've had such case in the past. Uh, as when we started migration, we observed that the native team, uh, that their, their performance fell. Uh, and uh, after searching to the root cause of that, I observed that they had to, first of all, deal with the new tools like Node.js, Yarn, or Metro Bundler that are uh, very common in uh, JS or React Native uh, environment. But for them, it was new. Yeah, they, yeah. Th Th those are common, but when you encounter a new error from, from Metro Bundler that I cannot find this one file in your node modules and like yes. it gives you like several different lines of how that file might be named and you're like, what? Like, I'm not the owner of this node modules folder. I don't know what's going on there. So yeah, yeah like, exactly. this can be a pain. So uh, at some point, uh, they, for, for example, they, uh, the, the team that operated in the uh, app that we added React Native on top of, uh, they did not know that they have to install uh, dependencies, uh, run npm install, run yarn, even though yep. it was documented. No, uh, not everyone uh, has uh, read it. And uh, it is a problem. Of course, some trainings help but you have to consider it. Uh, then the second factor is that they had to observe changes in the repo that they did not fully understand. Hence, it was harder to perform quality co code reviews. And uh, it's also important because they have all the product and technical context and uh, new changes, no code reviews, that, that, that is a problem at some point. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the uh, last factor was that they had to deal with uh, the increased build time as we had to uh, build React Native related stuff. Uh, and um, each time they run the app, uh, they had to do it over and over again. Uh, and the build time was increased, hence uh, the developer experience wasn't as good as, it's, as it was before, yeah. at least for them. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, we quickly realized that there is a lot of uh, things to improve, uh, at least uh, on, on, on our side. Uh, and uh, we started uh, thinking on how to overcome these issues. And uh, we uh, came up with a, a great solution that we have been using in every project since then. Uh, so we created an engine to encapsulate React Native uh, JS bundle, assets, native classes, uh, and all of that into one file, one native artifact. So native teams had to build, had to deal uh, only with the final product, 
which uh, were either a AR file or XC framework file, uh, and they were able to uh, interact with it as they would interact with any other native UI library. Yeah, so, so they, yeah, I, so, I was gonna say it's like adding manually library to your Android project. You just mm -hmm. put the yeah, exactly. file in there and, and, and it works. Yeah, or use some package manager. They could use uh, Maven or they could use CocoaPods, uh, yeah. things that they are used to. Uh, so they didn't have to deal with React Native uh, environment. Uh, their build time was decreased to a number similar to what they had before because we pre-built uh, everything that was related to, to React Native. And finally, they had a full understanding of their code base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, if, if you're interested about uh, these cases, uh, generally at Colstack, we did multiple integrations like that in the past. So you can read about some of them uh, in the project section in our website. Oh, yeah, we have some case studies and we have some articles and we have you on React Native Show podcast number six. And we have you on the conference, React Native EU. So we will link all of that materials uh, below this episode. Sure. Yeah. And regarding uh, stuff from the podcast or stuff from the conference, um, at some point we found uh, that uh, a lot of these steps uh, are repetitive and we can and we recreate the same uh, code over and over again uh, so we thought that it would be good to uh, extract it to an open source library and this is how react native brownfield was born yeah uh, so react native brownfield was introduced in 2019 correct yes yes yeah. 2019, and uh, since then we are working on uh, the new version. Uh, so, can you tell us uh, who authored it? What, was it you? Was it you with some other folks at Colstack? Yeah, uh, initially it was me with Mike Brabowski, uh, our uh, CTO, uh, and um, we initially thought of a set of uh, helpers to facilitate uh, integrating React Native into existing native apps. Uh, so, you know, it saves a lot of time as you can omit several initial steps as well as um, decrease entry barrier for developers who work on such project. Uh, and uh, at the beginning, those steps usually are, uh, first of all, you start with preparing some native classes that render React Native components within their bounds. Uh, then you load JavaScript uh, bundle, you store an instance of React Native Bridge into some singleton and reuse it between uh, different um, uh, different components. Uh, and then you prepare JavaScript API to, uh, let's say, compose native and JavaScript navigators, because that's often a case that you have to embed the screen into uh, native uh, navigation hierarchy, and you do not want user to notice that uh, at some point there are operating in React Native. Yeah, this was actually the hard part when I tried to visualize how Brownfield works. So you can imagine that if you have a mobile application written in native Android, you could do React Native as like completely different set of screens 
and like just link the two words with just one intent, one mm -hmm. navigation change. And uh, you are in the native now, uh, you transfer to React Native and you browse in React Native. The hard part for me is how do you mix and match the native with non with React Native, which is still native, but with some bit of JavaScript on top of it. And how do you maintain the whole system? This is, uh, this is really mind-blowing for me. I didn't do much of a brownfield, as you can imagine. <laughs> sure. Uh, yes, so I will tell you about the maintenance uh, in a second. So I will be speaking about what's going on uh, at the moment at the, in, in React Native Brownfield. Uh, but before I do that, uh, I will answer the uh, part regarding the integration itself, which yeah. was covered in uh, initial re release of React Native Brownfield. Uh, so generally, you don't need to create uh, a separate intent. You can embed React Native into Fragment or an instance of uh, Android uh, view. Uh, so uh, basically, you can embed a React Native component into native character, which helps a lot. Because then you have uh, native navigator, for example, uh, you uh, change. You, you have navigations based on fragments, which is, uh, I think, the standard now for Android applications. Uh, and at some point, you render React Native within that. And uh, what you need to do uh, basically is to toggle which uh, navigator is active. Is it the JS one or is it the native one? Uh, so React Native Brownfield has uh, some helpers to to do that. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, and I promised uh, to talk about uh, the uh, maintenance part. Uh, so let me tell you about the next release of React Native Brownfield, which will include the encapsulation engine uh, from the case study I mentioned before, as well as uh, many other killer features. Uh, so first of all, uh, we'll provide you with uh, a CLI that lets you build uh, build an artifact with one comment and plug it into your continuous delivery process. Uh, and uh, you will be able to publish the artifact to any place you like. So GitHub releases tab or things, uh, the native package managers that I mentioned, CocoaPods, Maven, Jitpack, um, or any place you want. Uh, so the CLI itself, and then another great feature that we are building right now is the generator of native components. So think of a React Native components with some annotation on top that is strongly typed using TypeScript, for example, uh, a button. Uh, and it accepts some styles like text and callback. Uh, and our generator will be able to create a native button uh, a, a class, a native class that will extend uh, UI button or Android button, uh, and it will accept properties uh, like text, callback, and styles in a constructor, uh, and render your React Native button under the hood. Uh, and uh, thanks to uh, this engine, you will be able to easily create unified design systems that can be consumed that whole organization you know, while keeping only one source of truth. Uh, and uh, that source of truth will be written in TypeScript plus React Native. Awesome. I like that idea. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, everyone's going to love it. I'm, I'm sure about that. This is a uh, true killer feature. So where is it coming out? Uh, yeah, so about that. 
I think that slowed us down a bit or actually slows us down. Uh, but it is an important addition uh, for me personally uh, is the adoption of uh, new React Native architecture. So we will support tur Turbo modules and Fabric renderer, uh, although it increases the complexity of the project and uh, difficulty. Uh, so uh, we believe that having this support is super important for the sake of top-notch performance. And we do not want to release without that. Uh, that's yeah. why it's delayed a bit, but uh, it's coming this year. So I think it's understandable. Uh, so you will be maintaining two different implementations, right? The, the old render and the fabric, the uh, old native modules and then turbo modules. Yes, for some time, uh, I think it's uh, a requirement because uh, we cannot resign from the old architecture, even though we'd like to. Uh, but until the community is ready for, uh, let's say, complete adoption of a uh, new architecture, we will support both. Okay. Uh, do you have anything to add to the brownfield uh, migration to React Native? Uh, no, I think uh, that's all. If you are interested in some more details, um, I strongly encourage you to uh, watch the previous episode of React Native Podcast or episode uh, number, number six, six, if you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I was talking about React Native Brownfield library per se, uh, and you can hear some more details on, on that. Uh, before we end this episode, I was thinking maybe we can take a detour uh, to talk some more about the web migration to React Native, oh. or is, is it a good idea? And do you even call it a migration, or is it a conversion? Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, are terms brownfield, greenfield, even apply to this kind of process? To some degree. Uh, so in this situation, I would consider two specific cases. First case is when you have an existing web code base and you want to migrate it to React and add the support of React Native. And second is when you have existing React application and you want to expand to other platforms, for example, mobile. Uh, and in terms of expanding to mobile platform, or any other platform that supports React Native, uh, I would call it a conversion, because ultimately, uh, this is what it is about. Uh, and I think this term is more suitable in this case. In the other case, I think it's uh, rather a migration, because you need to adapt a whole new technology. Mm, yeah, OK. Uh... Is there yeah, anything else you would want to? Yeah, yeah, sure, add? sure. I, I can tell you uh, a few words about the conversion from React to React Native because uh, that's a common case that we uh, deal with uh, at Colstack. Uh, and um, yeah, specifically speaking of such conversion, um, maybe starting from the time that is required to convert the code base. Uh, it really depends on several factors. Uh, so you need to ask yourself, again, a few starting questions. So uh, see if your components are small and modularized. Uh, see if your code is uh, decoupled from platform-specific implementation. Uh, see if you use regular React DOM components, or for example, you use React Native Web, which would help a lot. Uh, but it's not a prerequisite. Uh, then how do you handle styling? and how different the web and mobile 
layouts are. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and answering these questions will help you estimate the level of effort required to uh, perform the conversion. So the good thing about that is that there are plenty of tools that uh, can help you uh, implementing the support to other platforms. Uh, for example, React Native Web that I mentioned, uh, it exposes uh, standard React Native core UI components that are compatible with web. And you can use them instead of uh, regular DOM components like D for P tags. Uh, if I can give you, uh, let's say, one tip about uh, the, 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 the whole migration process here, it would be to divide and concur. So mm -hmm. create small leaf components, compose them into larger ones. Uh, you can follow uh, the atomic design, for example. It will drastically uh, help in the process itself. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, I was going to mention that React Native Web is a huge library. And there are huge companies use, uh, using React Native Web. Two I know are Uber and Twitter. <laughs> Twitter yeah, yeah. and Uber web applications are built using React Native Web. Yes, and not only that. Uh, I can't call exact names, uh, but many of our clients uh, adopted this technology, <laughs> uh, and they are really happy with it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I strongly recommend React Native Web. It's mature, uh, it's nice to work with, and uh, yeah, it's cool. But it doesn't cover one thing that it is uh, a challenge to overcome in such a uh, conversion, uh, which is styling. So if you are using some CSS and JS solutions or inline, in, inline styles, uh, the amount of effort should be slight. Uh, but to be completely honest with you, I'm not a big fan of these solutions, as they often come with the cost like performance overhead. Even uh, though we so have our own open source library for CSS in JS code. Uh, yes, Inaria. but that one doesn't because uh, it, um, it it's used in the build time, not in the runtime. So okay. uh, if you use Linaria, it's great as well. Uh, yeah, uh, but um, if you are a dinosaur like me and you like plain CSS or uh, SCSS, uh, the amount of work will be significant. Uh, so, but thankfully, uh, we have uh, some tools, some open source tools that helps in the, uh, this process like CSS and React Native. Uh, we'll leave you uh, a link uh, in the description, uh, but generally it, it, it helps a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you, Mike. I think that wraps it up. Uh, we talked about migrating from uh, native from native to React Native. We we were talking about migrating from Web to React Native, from React Native to Web as well, because this is a, a like that's the same process, I guess. Uh, we talked about greenfield, brownfield solution. I must say I'm really impressed by your knowledge and by your expertise. Uh, I now I know why you are the head of delivery department <laughs> uh, that uh, covers, like you say, quality assurance and development and and all that. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the React Native Show podcast. I was Łukasz Kludziński. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining as well, and see you in the next one. Thank you a lot. <laughs>